Hello and welcome to our class podcast for American Writers 2, 1865 to the present. I'm Dr. Carrie Tippin, your instructor and host. And today we're discussing Tilly Olson's short story, I Stand Here Ironing, and Alice Walker's story, Everyday Use. Let's meet the rest of the panel. Uh, since we have Phoebe and Rachel here, I thought I would ask you uh, to tell us your name, your major, and which friend's character you are. Uh, Rachel, will you go first? Yes, so my name is Rachel Howard. I'm a biology major and the friend's character that I am is Rachel because I was kind of named after her a no. little bit. Not like, it was like an idea because, you know, I was born in 99 and that was right during the friend's era. Okay. So Rachel, but always I also relate with Monica. Yes, I always wondered, you know, all of a sudden I had like 300 Emmas in my class. And I was like, oh, their parents all watch Friends. <laughs> Emma's Phoebe, say hello. Hi, I'm Phoebe. I am an English major. Um, and I guess I would say I'm Phoebe. I mean, everyone <laughs> always asks me if I'm named after Friends and I have to say no, because I'm not. I'm actually named after Charmed, that TV show. Oh. My sister's name is Piper, so we were both. No way. <laughs> yeah, we were both named after Charmed, so. Very yeah, cool. Because she's kind of like, she's cool. I would say she's pretty cool, so. Yes. Is Phoebe, that's, is that Alyssa Milano's character? Which one's Phoebe? M maybe. It's been a long time since I watched Charmed, but I, I did watch it a lot. <laughs> I'll catch up. Uh, Oiden, say good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Oiden. I'm majoring in political science. And I'm sorry to say I never watched Friends. Okay, cool. So I have a second question for you. <laughs> don't want to say. <laughs> uh, I will ask you uh, Wednesday's uh, icebreaker question, which was, oh, Mondays, um, if you could only eat one kind of flavored potato chip for the rest of your life, what would be that one flavor of potato chip? Original. Really? A plain? I yeah, I don't, I don't want like one flavor repeating and original oh. is just like simple. That's a smart answer because you could like dip it in different things and you, you could sprinkle it. You could like make your own flavors. Dang, you hacked my question. Really good. <laughs> nice job. All right, cool. Uh, well, I'm Dr. Tippin. I'm an English major, and my friend's character, I'm probably a Monica um, and maybe a Joey. I think I'm somewhere between a Monica and a Joey. Okay, great. Uh, okay, so the two stories that we're reading today have a lot in common. Um, they're separated by quite a bit of time. Um, they're kind of about different eras. They're you know, they're also separated by uh, kind of the race of the, the authors as well and of the characters within that story. So, you know, they're not exactly the same, but I thought they had a lot in common. Um, I have a list of some on the screen, but I wonder, friends, if you want to share anything that you noticed in common about these two stories. Yeah, um, I just thought that the both, both of the stories obviously kind of focused focus on like feminine energy and just kind of yeah. like the relationships and all of like I mean the first one I stand here ironing is more like mother daughter kind of thing but um everyday use was more like a sister and like also mother daughter but like yeah. that like sisterly bond and I just thought 
that kind of connection between the two pieces was really cool. Yeah, Rachel, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, it, I just took it as like two hardworking mothers, but with different, I saw like different types of relationships you can have with each daughter. Yeah. And like I stand here ironing. She, she's not quite close to her daughter, but she was still around for a decent bit. And then the other story, there's Dee who kind of just leaves and then Maggie who stays along. Yeah, yeah. There's distance, but they're they're different in how that distance is accomplished. Yeah, yeah. Oiden, did you see anything else in common? Um, I would say yeah, distance too between mo mother and daughter. Mm -hmm. How mother separates one daughter and uh, cares about the other one more. Yeah, and it's kind of this uh, secret, right? We, I think we all imagine that parents and their children all relate exactly the same way, but both of these stories highlight how that can't be true, right? And for a lot of reasons uh, that parents and their children just have to encounter each other as individuals. Um, neither of these are very perfect parents uh, by any stretch. <laughs> and they, they go through a lot individually, they deal with a lot. And I wonder how you felt about them, the, the two mother figures. Are they characters that you're sympathetic with or did they make you feel pity or angry or anything? How would you describe your feelings about these two mothers? I feel like I connected to the first story. I stand here ironing a little bit more than the second one. Mm -hmm. So um, that mother was really like the whole time I just felt it was like one thing after another with yeah. her. It was like, I mean, the daughter that we're focusing on, I believe her name's Emily, right? right? That was the main daughter. And like, even her talking about her struggles, like here and there with her other children, like, I just felt like she never caught a break. Yeah. And it just was really unfortunate that she was born when she was born. And it wasn't her fault, right? It was depression, it was war, it was, yeah, yeah. Rachel, what about you? I think I was kind of sympathetic to both of them in a sense. Mm -hmm. Both mothers were just trying their hardest in the circumstances that they were given. Yeah. And so I think they really were the best mothers they could be with yeah. what they were given. Yeah, Oiden, what do you think? Was there one that you uh, connected with more than the other? Um, I think um, the, I forgot the name. I stand her irony. Mm -hmm. Because I think that uh, in the second one, Everyday Use, mother was a little bit harsh and cold towards the daughter mm -hmm. who got mm -hmm. burned. Mm -hmm. Instead of being sympathetic and taking care of her more than... Um, I forgot her sister's name, sorry. She, she has two names, that's why it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> I can see, yeah. yeah. And, um, in the first one, I stand here ironing. Uh, mother was trying her, her hardest, even though she didn't have a husband, even though she didn't like have the sources to get through to her. And also one time when she got really closed up, her mother was really worried after her how to get it back to her how to find the connection back. Right, right. Excuse me, yeah, I think I think I see that too. There's a, there's a protective harshness and coldness about the mother in the second story and how she, um, 
we can talk about it when we get there. But I think uh, the her emotional stuff is a little bit more closed off. And she's kind of mad. She's kind of mad. Uh, and we can talk about that when we get there. Okay, great. Well, let's get into your questions. Um, so we'll start with, I stand here ironing. Um, let's just sort of get a summary. Phoebe, you asked two questions. No, Rachel, you asked, no, Phoebe. Phoebe, why don't you summarize this one for us? <laughs> Um, so it's kind of starts off with a mother. I don't really know who she's like telling the story to, or if it's just like, that's one of my questions. Yeah. I don't really know if she's like telling the story just to tell it, or if there's like a whole reason behind it, but she's kind of just telling the story of her daughter, Emily and everything that happened to her. Um, let's see. I have a few notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she gave birth to her daughter, Emily, and immediately it was like a chore, but not in like a way where she didn't want to care for her daughter because she loved her daughter. And she always said that her daughter was like beautiful at birth and that comes up a lot, but yeah. she like had to send her away to her father's family a few times because her dad wasn't really in the picture all of the time, but she had to like send her away a few times. And as Emily gets older, she kind of, develops a lot of issues like she's not really eating she's very distant she isn't happy she's having a lot of nightmares she's just going through it and then she sends her away to like I don't really know what I would compare it to today but I kind of thought of it as like I don't really know it it reminded yeah. me of like an orphanage but it isn't that because she yeah. has her mom there um I think they call it a convalescent home Right. So sort of like a hospital, like an institution almost. Yeah, like an inpatient kind of moment. Um, she's there for eight months. So she's there for quite a while. And then she comes home and she's starting to get better, but is still like really nervous about everything. She's going to school and um, she kind of becomes a mother herself. Not like she doesn't have a child, but she right. starts her siblings and like becomes her mom's like right-hand man yeah. and um then she kind of like gains popu popularity at school from being funny which I thought was really cute how she like yeah. just turns her whole life into this like joke and it's just like being funny about it I think that's really great and then um at the end her mom's just kind of like none of it's her fault because it's just the time she was born in but yeah she's just yeah just a tragic story of a of a funny gal tragic story of a funny gal I like it <laughs> Rachel would you add anything to that or do you have any kind of clarifying points to make no I also wondered who she was talking to yeah. and I for some reason I kind of visioned it as a male figure but I don't know mm -hmm. who I'm not sure though <laughs> okay I think I have an answer Oiden do you have an answer do you know who she's talking to um, not clearly, but in the story, she, men she mentions that, oh, she's going to have another father to face in the beginning of the story, I think. Oh, yeah, she does have two fathers, like, so she has her birth father, who yeah. leaves, and then um, the mother remarries, and so mm -hmm. now she has this other father, his name is Bill, I picked that up. 
Okay, good. Well, I'll start by answering that question. Um, so the first sentence, there's a you. What you asked me moves uh, tormented back and forth with the iron. I wish you could manage the time to come in and talk with me about your daughter. I'm sure you can help me understand her. She's a youngster who needs help and with and whom I'm deeply interested in helping. Who would say that to a, a, a parent? Who's the person who would say that? Maybe like a doctor or like some like service like a therapist almost yeah 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 Rachel do you have an idea or someone who's interested in marrying Emily maybe oh youngster though mm, yeah that's true maybe a therapist a therapist a guidance counselor Oyden do you want to put in a guess I think she's talking um like you remember in previous stories we read about how like a woman keeps her notes when she got uh, right when she got uh, abandoned by her husband yes uh-huh i think she would like keep those notes in order yeah. to like to gather her thoughts i like it so that was the story annunciation and she would sort of write these notes to herself um and kind of collect them as a way of remembering what's happening yeah, I like that. So she's standing here ironing and thinking, right? Ironing and thinking and thinking and thinking, uh, this back and forth thinking. I read that as a teacher, right? Like a teacher who sees that maybe Emily is special, particularly after this sort of comedy drama, theatrical performance um, and kind of recognizing a talent, something about that in her. Um, and wanting like a parent-teacher conference. This sounds like an invitation to a parent-teacher conference. And before she decides if she wants to go, she's now thinking like, uh, even if I came, what good would it do, right? Is it gonna be helpful? Am I the kind of mother who can be helpful? There's just such a back and forth rhythm. Do you all iron clothes, by the way? Have you ever ironed anything? Phoebe, no, Rachel, no. Why didn't you iron? not much <laughs> I don't either I intentionally like buy an out like a wardrobe that doesn't need to be ironed um so that's maybe a lost art the ironing but anyway uh okay so I think she's talking to a teacher but really she's talking to herself right really she's thinking to herself and there's a couple of moments where she's not thinking inside but she says something out loud um do you remember that moment where she says out loud I'm looking on 1149 this whole time she's been thinking the baby woke her up and, or, you know, kind of brought her back to attention and she had to go take care of the baby. Um, and then she says in this and other ways, she leaves her seal. I say aloud and startle at my saying it. What do I mean? Um, so most of it's just a quiet, just quietness, just standing there quietly thinking, 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 and then every once in a while, letting those thoughts kind of float all the way to the surface. All right, so what else do you wanna say? Phoebe, why is Emily's mother telling this story? What makes Emily a child of the depression, war and fear? That's the last line of the story, right? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Tell me what you're thinking. I don't know, I feel like the reason that we see her like talk about all these like horrible things that happened to Emily is because like she's just tying it back into like the time period. Hmm. But then I'm like, is it the time period or is it like something deeper than that? Like, is it how she was raised? Is it because she was like thrown into this convalescent home and she just was like, you know, 
sent away a few times to her like father's family and like and I obviously am not blaming the mother but like I just want to know if it's just the time period or if it's like other things that are influencing how she was raised you know yeah I think that's absolutely the question that the mother is asking herself it's this accounting how did we get here how do we get here and what part of it is my fault yeah I feel like the ironing thing is just like a mindless activity so it just is really showing us like all she does is think about like why are her why is her daughter specifically Emily the way she is and is like how you say like is it her fault or is it just because of the way things are right now yeah Rachel what do you think what's what's going on in the story what is she why is she telling the story Trying to jump on the laptop. <laughs> um, I think it's, it reminds me of when you lay in bed and you're just like, nothing else is going on and your thoughts are flowing. And it's almost like you think of every little thing. Yeah. And so I feel like, I feel like the way all of this happened is based on just being in the depression. I mean, she had to work. She couldn't provide for her child in you needed to make money, but it was so hard to during this time. And so I think she's just constantly overthinking every single little aspect of it, which I do a lot, but you know. (laughs) Yes, there's something very familiar about the anxiety of this story, right? There's an anxiety that is cyclical and spirally that rings very true to my own experience as well. Uh, Oyden, what do you think's going on here? Is she just, is this just how it had to be or does the mother have some responsibility what do you think, I think she's feeling responsibility for her daughter how how she was shaped throughout the whole story yeah. how she was cold before and then she started being funny and a little bit warm to her mother I've, i think she's trying to like um find excuses for what her daughter did in the past why right. she was cold and explain everything every little detail yeah, yeah. Trying to explain it, explain it to herself. And maybe even thinking if I go in to tell this counselor or this teacher what the story is, what is that person going to hear? And are they going to be able to understand? Or are they going to blame me? I think she's maybe trying to decide, should she blame herself? But also, will the person blame me? And in the end, she decides not to go, right? At the end, she says she's not going to go. She's not going to go talk to the teacher. Um, but she also says on 1150, I will never total it all. I will never total it all. What do you think she means by that? She says this a couple of times about kind of picking everything up and then getting interrupted and then she drops it all. I'll never total it all. What do you think that means? I took it as like she'll never have enough time in her life right now to think of everything that's happened because she believes that there are so many aspects of raising Emily that could be why she is the way she is today. Yeah, too many things happened, right? And I'll never really be able to sort it out. I'll never really be able to understand. Phoebe, do you wanna add something to that? Yeah, I agree. I think it just like so much happened like in Emily's life, but also just like, in her mom's life her mom has other kids and like just like the time of the depression everything she has to constantly be doing something to like support her family so I feel like she's just saying like there is nothing I can do that will give us the answer as to why everything is the way it is so we have to just kind of let it go 
Yeah. And that's, I kind of, I feel like that's painful for her to let it go, to say, I'll never really be able to answer it. Uh, and then 1151 at the very end, let her be. So all that's in her will not bloom, but how, in how many does it, there's still enough left to live by. Um, so she won't reach her full potential. Nobody does. That's pretty sad. That's a pretty sad <laughs> conclusion. <laughs> Oiden, what do you make of that line? Let, uh, so all that's in her will not bloom, but in how many does it? Do you think this mother feels like she has bloomed? Um, I think she knows, she, uh, she admits that her daughter changed uh, much better than she was because in the line when she says, I'll never tell her at all. And like the middle paragraph, she says she was dark, thin for rain. Yeah. So when she gave her daughter to her dad's side of the family. Yeah. When the daughter came back, she was a totally different person to her. She changed the way she looked, the way she talked. She was all depressed. And I think she she knows that she changed, but in her mind, she'll always keep that. She was that foreign little girl to her in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you brought up that line because I wanted to talk about it too. Uh, the family is, is ostensibly white. There's a whiteness about them, but two separate times she brings up uh, this idea of Emily maybe being like darker looking or the wrong uh, skin color or the long hair color. Uh, I'm looking on 1148 in the middle of the page. Uh, she fretted about her appearance thin and dark and foreign looking at a time when every little girl was supposed to look or thought she should look a chubby blonde replica of Shirley Temple. Do you know who Shirley Temple is? Yeah. Yes. She's like blonde, curly ringlets, charming, uh, tiny little tap dancer, little singer. Does Emily seem like the kind of person who could be a tiny little tap dancer? No, <laughs> not until the end, right? And then I, that's why I kind of think about her being on stage and that, that Shirley Temple, who's an actress, right? To her, the, where she ends up being on stage. That's interesting. And then again, on 11 and 50, Oiden, you pointed out this line, she was dark and thin and foreign looking in a world where the prestige went to blondness and curly hair, hair and dimples. She was slow where glibness was prized. She was a child of anxious, not proud love. We were poor and could not afford for her the soil of easy growth. I was a young mother. I was a distracted mother. There were other children pushing up, demanding. Her younger sister seemed all that she was not. There were years she did not want me to touch her. Uh, so just like left and right, <laughs> pain after pain after pain. Um, gosh, that's rough. Everything about this makes me sad. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> Rachel, uh, let's talk about, you said a social change during the Great Depression. Talk a little bit about what you're interested in there. Yeah, I was just kind of talking about during this time how women had to do all the like house chores but now had to work too because there wasn't like no one had enough money so then Emily had to do a lot of the house chores as a young girl and I wonder if kind of this story is kind of portraying how much mother figures had to go through during this time and how it wasn't really like fair. Yeah, well, so, and she kind of gets all of them because not only does she have a child during the depression and ends up with a divorce or like without the, the support of the, the father of this child, then she marries a man who goes off to war. 
Um, did you notice that note about writing V-mail, V-mail for victory mail? Um, so now her husband is a veteran of war, uh, probably World War II, right? So she kind of just happens to go through all of the worst parts of American history <laughs> in that, that small decade. Um, and there's a tiny baby in the middle of it who's going through all of it along with her. Yeah, Phoebe, do you wanna add anything more to that about that social change during that time? When was Rosie the Riveter? Is that now? Is that during this? Uh, that's that World War II image, right? But World War I also includes women going into the workforce. But yeah, I would say World War II is who you're thinking of. Because I, I can see that like now, like especially in her situation, if I saw that and I was like working my ass off, do everything I could. And then I saw that, I'd probably just be like, you know what? I am trying. I am doing it. Yeah. She's doing like everything. Like how I said in the beginning, she's doing everything she can. And like, she just is not catching a break. Yeah. And how would it be fair to criticize her for all of this? Right. Right. And why would she open herself up to the, uh, like to someone else to say these things to her? It's rough enough for her to talk bad about herself, but to open herself up to have this teacher maybe judge her for her choices. Well, like, maybe, I don't know. I can see people thinking that like, she wasn't working hard enough because if she was working hard enough, then her kids wouldn't be the way her kids are. Right. And like that's why I like can definitely see why she did not like she kind of refused the help from the teacher or whoever she's talking to. Like yeah. it opens up a whole new Pandora's box of like issues that could come from that. So it's not right. even worth it. Right. How is she gonna explain that three times she sent this girl to live with other people? Three times. That's yeah. a lot. And she's gonna have to explain each one of those. And I think it's interesting some of the rhetoric around those choices where she says, I didn't want to do it, but they said I should. I did what they told me to do, or I listened to the doctors or I listened to someone else um, and I did the best that I could, but you know, what else was I gonna do? Um, okay, great. Anything else you wanna say about this one before we go to the next one? Oh, I wanted to say something about the atom bomb. <laughs> so on 1150, speaking yeah. of like everything that happens in the world, uh, Phoebe, you kind of got excited about that. Tell me, you know, where do you want to go with that line? So distraught when she said, what did she say? Like by the time then, like we'll be Adam dead or something? Yes, yeah. In a couple that of years, so when we'll all be Adam dead, it won't matter. Yeah. Like that is awful, first of all. That that's just something that they like throw around. Like it's like funny like oh we'll be out of bed I'm like god that's awful it's, it's shocking right it's shocking to hear yeah. that level of nihilism from a 19 year old but if you were born in the depression and got sent away um three different times and your stepfather was a veteran in world war ii and you watch the atom bomb fall um and you're going to school and they're teaching you about duck and cover and whatever um that might breed a little bit of nihilism in you don't you think Rachel, do you think this attitude is like justified in her? I think so. Yeah. You know, she's been through so much and everything like that. So it's like, well, it's fine because we're going to die anyway. And it's terrible and it's sad, but that's just kind of how she's like coping with it. Yeah. It reminds me of those memes about like millennials, like, man, I have to live through another world changing tragedy. Um, it's exhausting a little bit. Oyden, what do you think about this attitude about the atom bomb? Don't worry uh, about midterms. We're all going to die soon. 
Uh, I think that it kind of connects to when she said to her mother, which, uh, when her mother came up and she asked if she was doing fine when she was sick. And she was like, no, mother, it's fine. Because her mother taught her that. She was like, right. She asked for help. Her mother was like, oh, no, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, like, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so good. And they happen so close to each other. Like the line is, um, oh, don't worry, go to bed. It's just a dream. You're all right. And then immediately, no, I'm all right. You go back to sleep, mother. So that kind of reversal. Um, she becomes the parent to herself, right? Yeah. And this, I think this kind of line shapes her. Yeah. So what comes to when she, she talks so cold about being Adam Bond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and do you remember too this other heartbreaking line when she's at that orphanage like convalescent home and she's been like best friends with this much smaller, younger girl, kind of a parent to her. And then they take the little girl away and she says, they don't allow you to love anything here. That would definitely scar me a little bit. That would be a trauma I would carry into the next generation. And I would have a hard time making attachments that were strong. Yeah. Phoebe, what are you thinking of? There's like a quote at the bottom of page um, 1147. And it just says um, not to be contaminated by parental germs or physical affection. And I <laughs> yeah. feel like that's kind of like the same thing where it's like, that's definitely some trauma inflicting thing to hear. Yes, that affection is germs. Oh my gosh, think about all those tiny little people who haven't had any hugs this last year and how much they are going to learn that physical affection means germs. Ugh, what a world. Okay, great. <laughs> Let's talk about the next story uh, from Alice Walker. Okay, uh, Phoebe, do you wanna get, no, Rachel, you asked two questions on this one. You do the summary. Okay, so it kind of starts off with just talking about a clean yard and then it kind of goes into describing the main character which is a mother and how she doesn't really like the way she looks and she worries about her daughter and how she'll appear as well and then they kind of go into talking about how there's burns on their arms which throughout the story we learn that like their neighborhood home like their home in their neighborhood like next to them had burned down I believe Maybe. Yeah, they're old house. So they, yeah, live, old house. they live in a pasture. They're ultra rural, right? So it would be a stretch to call it a neighborhood. But yeah, their old house burned and now they're in a new house that's not much better. Continue. Okay. Yes, sorry. This story was a little confusing to me. Yeah, it's not very linear in how it <laughs> yes. And then we kind of learn about Dee, her one daughter who has moved away from home and kind of looks down on the mom and the other sister, Maggie, and she's changed her name and says that everything that she's grown up as is kind of not good culture. So she wants to completely change everything. And then it leaves the mom upset because then she's like, well, you know, I worked hard and all this stuff. And yeah. And then it kind of ends with the mom and Maggie just sitting in the yard again and Dee is gone. And then they're just kind of happy with their own life again. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Oyden, do you want to add anything to that summary or clarify anything? Um, not really much, but I think it was kind of 
it's really really sad the part yep. where her, her her daughter gets burned but is not even like uh taking care of properly care of daughter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the mother takes uh more attention towards the who moved away and uh, the last part was really really sad yeah, you have a question about the end, Oiden, so we'll definitely get to that later. Uh, but neither of you talked about like the conflict, like the moment that makes everything go wrong. Phoebe, do you want to describe that part? What's the thing? What's the object? What's the conflict? You don't know? Fair enough. Rachel, do you want to say it? <laughs> the grandma's quilt, right? The quilt, that's right. About going to everyday use. That's the title of the story. Tell me about the quilts, Rachel. So it was made by their grandma and Dee wants it because she said that it wasn't sewn by a machine. It was sewn by hand and she just wants to kind of hang it on the walls and that her sister Maggie is going to use it and it's going to get ruined. So kind of looking down on her again. And also one thing about the story that I forgot to add that I think is important is I believe that all of the characters are people of color. That's right. So I feel like that's really important to think of because I feel like the mom wasn't doing that bad of a job. Like she was just working with what she was given. Yeah. Just like in the first story. So yeah, there's also another key difference in how they experience blackness, right? Uh, Because Dee has changed her name. And tell me about this name change. What did it make you think of? Change to what? Well, it's it's like walk. Wangero, 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 Liwanika, Kamanjo. What does it sound like to you? What does it sound? Does it sound African, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like D is just like a regular name. D, like, D. yeah. Like it's just very like D, and uh, <laughs> literally, and her new name is just more like personable. I think like uh-huh, it uh-huh. it allows more for like some character and some like yeah it's also just cooler yeah and her reasoning behind it um uh her mom says what happened to d she's dead i couldn't bear it any longer being named after the people who oppress me uh and the mother explains well but but that but it came from your grandmother (laughs) right you were named after your aunt dc she was named d we called her big d uh who was she named after grandma d who was she named after? Well, her mother, right? So, so whatever reasoning Dee has for this change, the mother is kind of not getting it. She's not agreeing with it. She's not um, buying into it. Did you also notice that the boyfriend or perhaps husband of the guy, of, of Dee, of Wangero, um, introduces himself with assalamu alaikum? Does that give you any hints? What does it tell you about him? Um, isn't it? Because uh, I'm Muslim and it's a yeah. greeting when you meet another Muslim. Yes, yes. With yes, respect. Yes. Yeah. They named him as a Salam Alaikum. She thinks that's his name. She doesn't yeah. understand it. Yeah. So this is a like a nation of Islam thing. So there's a very specific uh, around the 60s and civil rights era of African-American uh, people adopting uh, Muslim religion and Muslim and names, especially, right? Malcolm X, um, we see this happen a lot with, uh, 
you know, it's a thing, it's a thing. <laughs> so she's kind of, there's a time gap is what I feel like in this story. There's the mother who's living one sort of African-American experience and then Dee has this completely different one that's very contextualized in the 1960s uh, or the 1970s. And they just are not communicating to each other very well across this gap in time. Would you agree? Yeah. Rachel, say a little bit more about your question about these different values. So I said they're separated by time, but do you think there's anything else? that describes their values? Yeah, I think time's definitely a, a good one. And then I kind of took it as how they valued their mother as well. Oh yeah. It kind of mm -hmm. seems like Maggie may view her mother in more of like a, not like to say like queen, but like more of a higher up status. Whereas Dee looks down on her mother more. Yeah. So I kind of took that as kind of, talking about their upbringing, the way they view their mom and maybe how she raised them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that describes a lot of why Maggie knows the family stories, right? She knows the family histories. She has all the family skills. And even though Dee has the family name, she's always been on her way out, right? She's never really been a part of that family line. So that's a really good, that's a good point. Uh, Oiden, what else do you think might be how would you describe the different values that Maggie and Dee have, the two sisters? Um, I think really dependent on the mother or how she treated she treated them. Yeah. So it made Dee's standards very high of her and think that she can get anything that she wants because she wants it. Yeah. And uh, Maggie is always the second hand uh, who always gets the second stuff or who just gets left behind. And uh, in that conflict, um, Dee Vengera said that, um, oh, she can do it for herself. Yeah. So, which was really sad because uh, I think there's, there were two quotes, right? Mm hmm. And yeah. Yeah. The mother promised that those two quilts for, uh, for Maggie because she was supposed to get married to, I forgot his name. John Thomas with the mossy teeth. I'll never forget. <laughs> <Yes. it. laughs> yeah. And that was her promise made to Maggie. And the mother, she, I think at that moment, she realized what she had done and the difference yeah. between the two of how she raised each, each of them different. Yeah, and I think let's go ahead and jump to your question, Oiden, about what this realization that she has. What is it that the mother realizes and how does she, it's because she's kind of surprised by her own action of defending Maggie. What do you think she realizes, Oiden? I think she realized that uh, she did wrong in raising her for her daughters mm -hmm. and how she put one over the other one. And, and then she realized that it was all too much mm -hmm. and how... Uh, Dee Rungera was getting everything that she wanted and leaving Maggie behind with no feeling of regret or no feeling of sadness yeah. and uh, the mother saw that uh, Maggie wasn't even really sad she was like it's fine she can take it right and that's the line that gets me every time um uh, let's see. She stood there with her scarred hands hidden in the folds of her skirt. She looked at her sister with something like fear, but she wasn't mad at her. This was Maggie's portion. This was the way she knew God to work. 
And when I looked at her like that, something hit me on the top of my head and ran down to the soles of my feet. So when she looks at her daughter and sees she has accepted like the secondhand crap, right? She has accepted that she's not worthy. She's like, boom, like physically hit me on the top of the head, light bulb moment um, and has that realization. Phoebe, what do you think about this moment of realization? I feel like she's just realizing that like, I don't know, throughout the whole story, I was just thinking about like, I mean, earlier we were talking about how kind of like time separates them, but I was thinking more of like access to information and like, yes. and how that will allow for like independent ideas. And that's not really something that people saw a lot because like you would just listen to what your parents said and believe it. And then you think that that's like the only right thing. Like if your parents think it, you probably think it too. Yeah. And like, even like with the name changes, I feel like that's like a big thing of like, she can now have like an independent idea and like kind of think for herself. And she's realizing like, oh, like my kid already has one foot out the door. Like, and now she's gonna think what she wants to think and there's really nothing she can do about it. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like this is the last time they'll see each other, Phoebe? Is this the end of their relationship? More that was really sad. I hope yeah. not, but probably. Yeah. I mean, the last scene is we, we watch the car dust settle and they both share some snuff and they sit there enjoying until they go to bed and they're not talking about how mad they are or how sad they are. They're just sort of enjoying their time together. It's hard to defend D, I think, because of the narrator being the first person, but like, let's try it. Is D wrong? Is D bad? Tell me how you feel about that. Phoebe, no. D's I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think she's bad. I think she's independent. And yeah. that can be, especially throughout like the first person, like your parents might not like the fact that you want to be independent and kind of like have your own separate thing, like away from like your like family name, literally. Um, yeah. yeah, so I don't think she's bad. I think she knows what she wants and is going to go get it. And that might not sit well with some people, especially her mother. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the mother is in awe of her independence and a little envious of it, but also cannot imagine it herself, right? It, it, I don't know where she gets it, but it is not from me. It's kind of the, the feeling I get from her. Rachel, what do you think? Anything to, to sympathize with or to identify with Dee? Yeah, I sympathize with her. I see like going back to like the postmodernism like PowerPoint, I saw a lot of like social change, kind of like a daughter being able to have her own opinion or even just a woman during this time being able to go out and have her own opinion and do what she wants. So I kind of related to her in a sense because I feel like, you know, I'm like that now, you know, I mean, it's more common now, but like you go out and make your own opinion, you know, like yes. I wonder if you've had that experience of having gone to college for a semester and then coming home to your family and realizing like, oh, they haven't read Foucault yet. They don't know, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Imagine now in my position, like get a PhD and then go back and try to have dinner with your family and you come out looking like an ass every time, right? You, you, like there's no graceful way. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's kind of what you're getting to. 
I get I get in a lot of arguments, but you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just stating my points, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, I have research, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, so it causes a rift, it causes a difference. And, and I think they basically share the same value. I think they just don't have the same community. So in, in Maggie's point of view and in her mother's point of view, they are valuing their heritage in the form of the family they know. So the mother says like when she's tracing the name back, I don't need to go back that much further. I wasn't there. I don't know those people. I'm gonna live you know, the life that I know. But D is looking for a heritage, and there's that word that she uses, heritage, that's pre-American, right? She's sort of moving towards an African identity, trying to find a longer, larger community. Um, and that's, I think they both value heritage, they just don't value the same heritage. Does that sound right? You wanna add anything to that or you wanna disagree with it a little bit? Um, I think that um, D wasn't bad overall, because because at the end, uh, uh, when she was right before she was leaving, she kissed yeah. Maggie yeah. and said, "You to try something of you for yourself." Yeah, and I think uh, how she became independent, she wants the same thing for Maggie because she's not gonna get it with her mother, because her mother is always gonna be there, like making her like. Um, you have to do this, you have to do that, and just followed by her run of the rules. I think D kind of wants Maggie to be independent and try to have that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that's a, a really strong point um, around what she says to her as she leaves, right? It's a new day for us. And she means like, like for us black people, like for us women um, and that Maggie could come along with her if only she wanted to, um, but they are gonna be, they're gonna be separate. They may not make the same lines together as a family. All right, we are out of time. Really good discussion today. Um, do you have any recommended media? Do you have anything you think these stories made you think of that students should watch or read or listen to? I usually have something, but I don't have one today. Okay, how about some advice for our respite day on Friday? We do not have class on Friday. Anything we should do to take care of ourselves on our day off? Watch a movie. Watch That's a my movie. favorite thing to do ever. Just watch a movie. Any movie. Any movie. Okay, Rachel, you got one? Light a candle. No matter what you're doing, it'll make you feel better. You yeah. can be doing the hardest thing in the world and it will make it better. <laughs> that reminds me, I will share it with you uh, on the thing, but one of my favorite podcasters has a, a bit about a candle. She's like, the patriarchy's coming after us. It's the dang climate apocalypse. Light a candle if you want to. Who cares? Light a candle. So it reminded me of the, the atom bomb. Uh, we're all going to die soon. Light a dang candle. Okay, Oiden, anything, any good advice? Uh, just stay home. Stay home. Yes, 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 yes. I say go outside if you can. Go outside. Move that bot around. It'll be good for you. All right. I've been in Texas now for a month and that's how my accent goes. All right. Thanks everybody for being at our show. Um, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Thank you, panelists. Okay. Where's my record button? <laughs>